Nice. It's the happy xylophones of a brand new episode, Dan. First one in a while. First one in ages. I feel like I've actually aged significantly <laughs> since we spoke last. I think everybody in Hawke's Bay does. <laughs> <laughs> so, windy podcast episode eight, Dan. Is that where we're at? We haven't even released seven yet, I don't think, no. or six. But anyway, it's we okay. might bump this one up. And we're busy people. Yeah, yeah. and we, you're a busy person. We might bump this one up. Bump because it up. It, well, so it won't, it won't necessarily be episode eight. This could end up being episode six. Yeah, we'll make we'll make that decision in post production. Let's know? let's do that. So because um, it's a very timely episode, you know, I mean, with is. everything going on. So yeah, it it is. So yes, um, you're Dan Brennan. I am. From Decibel Wines. And Yuri Von Lorcan from many, many exciting things. From things. And today, it's a very interesting episode because... Um, oh, yeah, there's another person yes. here. We're, we're, a tri- we're a threesome yeah. today. We're, tri- we're tripleting. Um, we have Mr. John Hancock with us. Hi, guys. Hello. And, John, would you like to tell us a little bit about... Who you are. Who am I? Who you are, why you are. Apparently he's a neighbor now, too. He's just moved in not far from here. So, yeah. From from A.A. Ron's studio. Yeah. At New Soul. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, can do that. He was my neighbor, just a couple of houses down, yeah. but ah. decided to leave. Not quite sure why. It's a long story, and I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. <laughs> so, John, you're a winemaker um, at the moment. Who for? Don't to be absolutely honest, this this vintage, um, which I'm not going to have any involvement mm. at all, mm. will be the first year since 1972 that I haven't been involved with vintage. So background to that is what we should probably tell our listeners about right now, huh, Dan, is that we have just had a massive cyclone yep. through Hawke's Bay and up in the East Coast, Cyclone Gabrielle. Gabrielle, yeah. So uh, my experience with that was uh, everybody thought it was going to – I think everybody knew it was going to hit Auckland pretty hard, and uh, we're sort of batting down the hatches here for a bunch of rain, but nobody expected what actually happened. And uh, I was meant to fly out on the Monday to the U.S. for two weeks. That's that would why be I, Monday the 13th. Yeah, so that's why <laughs> we hadn't done this in a little while. Oh, February. And, uh, and so – I rerouted all my flights, ended up flying out backwards to Sydney to go to, and I landed in LA, um, which would have been sort of Tuesday morning, New Zealand time. Mm. And I land, turned my phone on <laughs> to a bunch of text messages and from nobody from Hawke's Bay though, everybody from outside the region saying- And why was that? And because it was no power, no cell coverage. No power, yeah. no phone. And- yeah. um, so we were hit with the worst storm that Hawke's Bay has seen since, uh, I believe, 1938. Um, and we've got John here today because John is one of New Zealand's um, most well-known and most legendary um, legendary winemakers and certainly a, a Hawke's Bay icon um, in terms of his involvement with Morton Estate, Trinity Hill, Delegates, Delegates, yeah. um, Moana Park, Shed Five Thirty, and of course Hancock and Sons, your own your own brand. Yeah. And as you said before, this is your first vintage that you won't be making wine because there's no wine to make. Well, to be absolutely honest, we'd already decided 
that we weren't going to make any wine from this year because of the season as it was. So it was already mm. looking, you know, pretty average. And here in Hawke's Bay in particular, so why why was that? What was what was the kind of lead up? Well, I guess firstly it was a very cool summer. We just didn't get Oh, you mean heat. we've had a summer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. It's gone. I feel cheated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and of course it rained pretty consistently from Christmas through. That's right. We were talking about the rain a few times oh, on yeah. our early podcasts. Yeah, it was developing that way anyway, mm. but, uh, yeah, the big kick in the nuts was a couple of weeks ago when that happened. Yeah. So, I was, I was um, working for well, Morton, Morton Estate when we had the Cyclone Bowler in 1988, so I do recall that as mm. being, from a winemaking point of view, probably more difficult in a way because we had ongoing, you know, rain, 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 mm. and, of course, Bowler is, you know, arguably as big as Gabriel. They're saying Gabriel's bigger, mm. but for different reasons. And a different timing. Correct, um, yeah. Bowler was a little bit later. We were well into harvesting Chardonnay uh, by the time Bowler, Bowler had. And I recall we had a truck, and we were taking fruit out of Gisborne in those days, so which was even more affected than, mm. uh, than Hawke's Bay by Bowler. So three weeks ago, when Cyclone Gabriel hit Hawke's Bay, what happened to um, Shed 530, which used to be Moana Park, in Pukitapu, Hawke's Bay, which is where you were working? Well, it really took the brunt of um, the Tūnaikuri busting its banks. It ran, ran right through the middle of, of um, Shed 530. And, in fact, the, the vineyard around the winery, which is fairly small, but, you know, like a hectare or so, was gone. Well, the only thing that's left is nine strainer posts. Everything else is gone. There's no no wires, no anything. Jesus. So somewhere down the river. Mm. And we had a series of brand new tanks, uh, red fermenters based on Bordeaux-style red fermenters that had just been hooked up to cooling. Uh, they didn't flow away because they were held but held in place by the by the uh, cooling really uh, reticulation. That's they fell over, yeah. or some of them did, yeah. and were damaged, but nothing floated away. But it did ruin the whole reticulation system. Yeah. Yeah, oh my goodness! So there's no way of making any wine at uh, at Shed Five Thirty this year, anyway. And in terms of the um, like equipment within the winery. So um, vehicles, appliances, barrels, that kind of thing. Has that all been washed away or did it, was some of, of it, it all kind of... Uh, we had, had somewhere around about 100 old empty barrels ready to be gotten rid of, which were sitting on a concrete pad. They're all gone somewhere. So, you know, scattered in paddocks all the way to the... and including the Pacific, I guess. Mm. Um, you told me the other day that you... When you were looking, um, when you went there to sort of survey the damage, um, that that you almost came yeah, a proper in, yeah. you know, in the vineyard. Yeah, was the silt just then in the vineyard? It was sort of in between, in, in between the winery and the cellar door. So it was just the around the where those big old trees are. It was yeah. around there, and I was just sort of, I thought I'd see how close I could actually get to the building and. And it was reasonably firm, and then all of a sudden, it's like quicksand. Mm. And I was up to my bloody thighs in slippery mud. It's still wet, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, gee, I don't know if I can get out of here. Mm. And I managed to <laughs> crawl out of the mud. Shimmy Looked pretty out. messy afterwards, but uh, you know, it was a dumb thing to do. <laughs> 
You know, but in those situations, you think, that's my that's my stuff in there. I want to mm. check this out. I want to mm. see how bad it actually is. Mm. You kind of, it's easy to forget. And we've never been in this situation before. Have you mm. ever been up to your hips in mud? No. No. So when, we don't get much well, rain in South Australia. Yeah, Ebola. Which is where John's from, by the way. Hurricane Ebola is what, the one in the 80s. Cyclone Ebola. Cyclone Ebola. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot I was in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> um, Cyclone Ebola. When that hit, you didn't have, the, you just had the downpour. Did you have the swelling of the rivers and yeah, stop bank well, stuff and stuff? We had, I can remember one truck, like a 30-ton of Chardonnay mm. um, that was harvested. Then we couldn't move it because you couldn't get into Gisborne and you couldn't get out of Gisborne. Mm. So we eventually did a deal with, after, like three or four days later, did a deal with one of the local big wineries and sold them that fruit at a reduced price. I've been sitting... You know, beautiful skin contact Chardonnay. And skin sitting in the truck. For three days. And probably natural ferment as yeah, well. Yeah, it would have been kicking So we were pioneering all that stuff Yeah, back sure, then. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just insane what's been going on. And I suppose we are an island in the Pacific, so these things happen sometimes. But, uh, man, it's a wake-up call. It's and I think also, you know, for um, the unique, the geography of Hawke's Bay as a mm. region – is that, you know, we have this lovely, flat, um, horseshoe-shaped mm. sort of um, plain surrounded by low hills, and the plain is separated, like we're all highly populated areas, well, sandwiched what? between these major arterial uh, rivers, mm. the Tukituki, the Naruroro, the Turokuri, and then you've got the, on the outer, you've got the Esk River mm. and the Waipawa River, mm, and... Enough. The um, what are the like the big one that runs through the gorge? Oh, the Manawatu? No, the other oh. side. Mohaka. Oh, the Mohaka. The Mohaka is further north. Yeah. Mm. So you've got these these highly populated areas. Yeah, sandwiched between these massive rivers, and it's a very rare thing that all the rivers are kind of in flood at the same time at that level. But and how do you think that the Maritonga Plains were formed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't yeah. just happen. No, no, it just. <laughs> It's just not something that, as the region has grown in population and business-wise, we haven't kept up with. No, we, we, haven't, actually, we haven't believed what's happened believed, in the past. No, mm. haven't learned. Mm. Seeing the amazing old photos on um, like Facebook groups of old Hawke's Bay, mm. you know, yeah, of the 1938 great, floods and things yeah. of exactly the same areas, Esk Valley and um, mm. Bukitapu, Pakofai, Twyford. Mm. Mm. Um, All near the rivers. Yeah. yeah. So what does this mean? Um John, Dan, mm. as as winemakers, what does this mean for our region going forward for, say, the next couple of years? A lot of rebuilding for certain people. Um, well, yeah, big decisions to be made, with yeah. regard, particularly with regard to ESC, yeah. I guess, whether they allow rebuilding there or whether they replant there. Mm. You know, that ESC has gotten flooded pretty frequently. It's nothing new. I mean, mm. that's fairly severe, but... Some of those photos you were talking about, Yvonne, showed the same sort of silt levels. Yeah, meters high. Mm. Yeah, I think overall, you know, even the short time that I've been here, it was 15 years, I've seen probably three different, this will be the third time, shakeups, you know, one after the global financial crisis. I thought really one after 11 and 12, which were really tough years. And you, mm -hmm. you just see growers fall off, new ones come on. 
labels change, people buy out this thing, and I think you're going to see a lot of that in the next year or two because there's going to be vineyards and growers and operations, winery operations that just won't come back or just to say this is too hard. Maybe their owner's overseas and they go, mm, we're going to sell. Yeah. There's going to be a big reshuffle again. Um, but as far as where we grow and more to John's point, and I mean, I don't know because, you know, you even talk about, you know, some of the stuff on the hill. You say, oh, do we, should we go more up into the hills with things? But some of that's all <laughs> slipped, slipped down. Away. And so, um, Having said that, though, um, one of the first things I was keen to find out when I found out about how badly the Esk Valley had been hit is I managed to get hold of Holly who mm. talked to her dad and Gordon Russell from Esk Valley Wines or ex-Esk Valley Wines. Um, how was the very famous Terraces vineyard looking? Was there any slippage? Yeah, it was pretty it was, minimal. And it was fine. Yeah. So maybe that's something that we, you know, that if people are looking at going into hills, do we look at some sort of, you know, Or maybe terracing? Terraces. I don't know. That's terraces, what I mean. yeah. yeah. Could be, could be an option. Yeah. How does it feel, yeah. though, John? I mean, it's... Oh, it's frustrating, yeah. I'd say. <clears throat> if you look at what's happened in Hawke's Bay in recent times, when a lot of vineyards have been replaced by apples, mm. you know, have, are those apple guys going to be able to afford to re- replant? And do they want to replant? You know, it's a, and it's a huge part of their ec- economy in Hawke's Bay is not just grapes. You know, we're talking vegetables, mm. we're talking general horticulture, mm. kiwi fruit, All of that. Apples. Yeah, there'll be a lot of onions and apples and pumpkins and stuff all out in the ocean. Yeah, know? well, so to give um, you know to give our listeners some idea, um, the other, last week um, I was out helping Tony Bish re-net um, at the Skeetfield Vineyard, which is in Oheti behind Fern Hill, which is um, you know a, a fantastic or was fantastic grape growing area and home to a lot of Hawke's Bay's um, classic wines. And, um, you know, going through that vineyard and the, the canopy was over my head and I'm like 5'8", thereabouts, 5'7", um, and there were whole pumpkins, like pumpkins, big pumpkins, like the size of your head, you know, and corn cobs and apples and driftwood mm. in the top canopy and hay bales and things, you know, that you're trying to pull out of the grapevines. So that's how high the water was rolling straight through that area. Yeah. And... So, See, I'm glad there was there was nobody at Shed 5.30 when that flood came through because it would have been like a tidal wave. Mm. Mm. There would have been no escape. Right. And you see where um, the apples have come off the trees and all the orchards mm. around the area and they're, they're stuck in on people's roofs and on the tops of sheds and in the guttering of okay. houses that, you know, metres high. Yep. They don't get there by themselves you're really making me high up that wine over there yeah so we did actually bring some wine because we needed some cheering up we seriously did um but i must say that you know every time i drive between hastings and napier and see the destruction particularly that clive awatodo sort of area which is People have sort of forgotten about, really. It's just yeah, like that, a war zone. That was the when I saw the overhead image of that. I think Michael Farr did a lot of it. Um, I know some other people did, too. I'm just going to reach over while you're talking. Carry on. From some helicopters and drones and stuff. But, you know, I've lived here long enough to know what I'm looking at, and I had no idea what I was looking at when I saw the overhead image of Clive. I didn't know. I looked uh-huh. at it, and then I saw the... the um, ooh, Oh. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I saw the um, special effects. The, 
uh, you know, the factory out there. That, yeah. And I thought, oh, Fiddler my God. Wasn't... Like, my heart sunk. I said, oh, my God, I know where that is. And I just couldn't believe how much water was there. Yeah. So I haven't even actually driven out Clive because I wasn't sure what the roads are doing or anything there. Oh, they're and okay, but you just don't want to add to the traffic. Yeah. That's my yeah, thing. Yeah, I've just stayed home. I haven't yeah. wanted to. Yeah, I had to go to Napier a couple times here and there, but uh, went, and I kind of made it a purpose to go through Puckify. Mm. Um, I went over to Brookfields one day to help them clean some ba- uh, bottles and stuff because they got hit pretty bad in restaurant and the whole winery and lots of gear ruined and everything. They hadn't had power yet when I was there last week. But I think they were coming in the next day or mm. two. But so, you know. So that's, for, to not have power by then, that's 15 days, 16 mm. days without power. They were on a bit of an island out there because yeah. of where they are. And everything sort of towards the river uh, was, was um, yeah, there's just nothing happening over there. But there's so many farms over there and everything, too. But, yeah, look at Peter. What's He's been around a long time. So yeah. this is Peter Robertson, who owns um, Brookfield's Vineyards, which the Brookfield's Bridge was washed away. Mm. His Vineyards Winery, um, badly affected. Peter's been making wine in Hawke's Bay for... Oh, since the mid-70s. Tom yeah. McDonald, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so early to mid-70s. So, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, he's seen it. He's he, seen it all, but yeah. this, is, this is a biggie. And we'll be right back. Hey everybody, Decibel Wines is the newest tasting room in the best block of Hastings City on the East Block where it's all happening. We're right in the heart of the action with uh, you know the distillers and the common room and a bunch of great restaurants and other uh, great shops in the, as our neighbors in the area. There's something for everyone in our shop though with 18 wines available under the Decibel Junta and Testify collections. We're treating podcast listeners to a 15% discount. That's pretty That's pretty good. On our website with the code PODCAST15 at checkout, head to decibelwines.com and use the promo code PODCAST15. I believe that's all caps. Uh, you know, I moved to New Zealand all alone in 2008 and started making these wines in 2009. I moved here with a dream and literally just a few bucks in my pocket. Uh, it all started with a very small amount of Decibel Malbec, Sauvignon Blanc, and of course Pinot Noir from Martinborough. I make all these wines, buying fruit from so many great growers around Hawke's Bay and Martinborough. Um, so please come visit us uh, when you're in Hawke's Bay. I'm usually in the shop hanging around. Uh, if I'm not there, there's some other great people helping out and know the story and know about all the wines. Or just visit decibelwines.com and use promo code PODCAST15 at checkout for 15% off. Cheers. And now we're back. Um, John, we didn't warn you that we do like to taste wine during this podcast. But <laughs> oh, we, gee whiz. I, I hate it's wine. It's okay. <laughs> 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 I thought I'd bring you a Chardonnay and I haven't tasted this one yet and I thought it would be really, um, really fun. To do it together after while we're talking about such a depressing thing, we should be tasting a so really nice thing. Another just another depressing thing before we get oh, away yeah, from sure, depressing thing. Bring it. I don't know if you've seen the latest Kiora magazine. No, uh, I haven't been on a plane a, for a couple a full weeks. page, or it might even be a couple of pages. I haven't seen it yet. I've shed five thirty. <gasps> Oh, John. Come okay, visit. okay. Come so visit. for our Come listeners visit. that aren't from New Zealand, we um, there's a magazine that our that in New Zealand put out. So every month it's called Kiora, um, and it features, you know, everything to do around the country. Um, and John <laughs> had literally the I mean, the um, the company that John works for Shed Five Thirty 
was had just re rebranded and relaunched rebuilt their, the rebuilt the Cellador, <laughs> our restaurant, brand new labels on great new wines, a whole new kind of direction, and you're mm. on the front cover. Was it front cover? Well, I'm not sure if it was front or cover. Or two pages was, in the it magazine. Was a, quite a big article. And mm. now now it's closed and it's doubtful. You're mm. not about whether you're going to be rebuilt or what's Sorry. happening. Who knows? I don't know whether oh. it was a paid article or whether it was a mm. New Zealand Either article. Way, Either way. It's a shame to mm. miss, miss that opportunity. It is. Oh you build the, build the hype for the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's like a big tease. Re- it'll mm. be a year before that's rebuilt. And, but mm. they have said that they've prepared to rebuild everything. So That's good news because it's a great spot. Yeah. It's such a pretty spot. Yeah. Well, you know, and hopefully it will be again. Um, so what I've done in terms of bringing something to provide a little bit of relief during our very depressing discussion is a Chardonnay by Elephant Hill. This is the C what, Chardonnay from 2020. 20, when Steve was still there, right? Um, yes. Uh, no. Um, not crossover 2020, year, it was probably. a crossover year between mm. winemaker Steve Skinner, who had been at Elephant Hill for a long time, and um, Hugh Crichton. Well, Steve worked for, for me at Trinity Hill. That's right, I remember. Yeah, so he was assistant winemaker at Trinity Hill for quite a few years. Right, so, first of all, before I tell you a little bit about how this wine was made, let's have a little tasty taste and a sniffy sniff and tell me what you think, guys. For a start, oh. it looks really pretty. If you're watching mm. this on YouTube, beautiful kind of diamond goldy gorgeousness. Well, it's certainly see why it's called C because there's heaps of salinity there. <laughs> so true. And then it's got the gun smoke on the nose, you know, which is typical Hugh Crichton style. If I'm not sure how much mm. handy had in that, but I'm sure he did. I don't know. Juicy yeah. as, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I don't know where that. That is must it? be the C. It's the, the C vineyard. Hundred percent C vineyard at Tiawonga. So Tiawonga on the coast of um, of Hawke's Bay. Vineyards super close to the ocean, mm. like really close. Um, so this would salt be spray. a little bit closer from where I get my Chardonnay, but you still get that salt air. It's still ancient seabed under the under the ground there, and the, but the big thing is that longer growing season. You know, it starts earlier out there. Yeah. And they just, when the rest of Hawke's Bay, we talked about those plains earlier, yep. where it gets really hot in the afternoon in the Haratonga Plains out there, the, the ocean the breeze, breeze. It switches, switches, starts coming mm-hmm. inland, and you get that cooling effect. And I am always mm-hmm. surprised, you know, and I'm, I'm guessing this will probably be the same. These wines go through full malolactic fermentation, and there's still so much acidity there. Yeah, and super brightness. fresh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, when they first planted there, they were concerned about sea spray. Yeah. <clears throat> and they were going to put, like, a curtain of water, like a waterfall, basically, right along the road. Oh, really? To capture the, the salt-laden air. But from Elephant Hill, or but they just didn't. They ended up putting like a fence with, yeah. with netting and stuff. Yeah, I think it was too. <laughs> I think it worked out to be too expensive. <laughs> to have a waterfall all the way along there. Well, if anybody well, it was amazing. If anybody was going to do it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm going to tell you some stats. Okay, this is the extra for experts, you guys. Okay. So drink this wine and um, smell, taste while well, I tell you. Okay, 100 sure. percent Sea Vineyard from Tiawonga, 88 percent Clone 15. And 22% clone 95. Um, hand-picked on the... So two pickings on the 7th of March and the 14th of March, 2020. Whole bunch pressed straight to barrel, natural ferment, and a natural partial malo. It's mm. not saying 
what percentage, but there's a little, you know, there's a little bit in there. There's a bit of, you know, we can tell it's it's there. Eighteen months on light lease, occasional stirring. Twelve months in barrel, twenty five percent new, and uh, six months in tank. So there you go. Well, it handles the new oak pretty well, doesn't it? It really does. Mm. I really like this. I think Do you it's like great. It? Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's clean. Hawks Bay makes some great chardonnays. We make Pretty, we don't get the recognition that we should be getting. Why are we we're not getting the recognition? This. I mean, is it because we're not as pretty as Central Ontario? Certainly not now. No, and that's that's part of the grieving process. I think that Hawks Baileyans like. And I think they're going to go through. <laughs> the name Marlborough is pretty intense from a brand point, branding point mm. of view as well. So. Yeah, Marlborough and Central Otago, they've kind of got the, the brands locked down. But having said that, you know, we've got Hawke's Bay's um, um, Chardonnay initiative that um, is a couple of years mm-hmm. in now where um, Master Sommelier Cameron Douglas chooses 12 um, of the greatest Chardonnays oh, in the region. We're have, have a uh, Chardonnay uh, conference or something here next September, I believe, too. Oh, is that right? I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I'm allowed. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I might have to check that I'm not still well, I think banned it's from conferences. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, make sure you're not. There was that time when. Mm. No. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, there's some people not invited to conferences anymore. <laughs> some wine growers. Um, That's exciting. But also, having come back from the U.S. in the last two weeks, um, you know, they. We, they love these wines over there. Mm. They were blown away by the Chardonnay. What's not to love? Yeah, about yeah. Chardonnay, that's for a start. But they're ready to move on from Marlboro as well. Not move on, but like you mean move on from say Sauvignon Blanc as being the, uh, the uh, wine no, thing. Th- that's always going to lead the way, right. and it's always going to. But they're really happy to be like we're going to put some Pinot here. We're going to put it with the Burgundies. We're going to put some you know this white blend here, but we're yep. going to put it with my cellar picks up front in the wine shop, and we're going. And they're they're very much ready to um, explore new things from New Zealand and Hawke's Bay, though it's the oldest wine region in the country, is still new things from this New Zealand. This is true, and you know even the um, the like really influential wine critics in, in the likes of the UK, you know, Jancis and um, you know Jamie Good and Jukes and and um, I was still there. They're they're there and they're huge fans of Hawke's mm. Bay Chardonnay. Mm. Um, have been for years, mm. so we just kind of need. Um, their backing as well to just keep that keep the word out there and keep it going. I mean, all that said, I don't know that many people who are struggling to sell Chardonnay. So it's it's been up and down a bit, hasn't it? I think our problem in Hawke's Bay, I think, is that we do so many things so well Mm. that Mm. to focus on something like Marlborough's been, I'd say, lucky's not the right word, but to be able to focus predominantly on one variety of Sauvignon Mm. Blanc, it makes selling the region so much more easy. And Central with Pinot. Mm. And Central does lots of other things as well. Marlborough does lots of other things as well, but having that hook is a big thing. And I remember, and you'll probably remember this, John, like back in um, sort of the mid-2000s, there was this big push for Mm. Hawke's Bay to become Merlot country or Chardonnay country or Syrah, you know. Um, I think the the wine growers at the time, uh, you know, the people that were were in the organisation were like, we've got to find that hook. We've got to find the thing to hang Hawke's Bay's hat on. And I was like thinking, no, you yeah. know, the problem is, well, it's not a problem. It's it's kind of, it's good and it's bad. You know, we, we're we like the ultimate wine region. Yeah, it's like France, a microcosm of France. You cannot, it, there's nothing you can't grow here. I mean, we're even growing Grenache and stuff. You know, we're growing, 
we, we, Albarino. 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 Nacional. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's the ultimate. And so you don't want to kind of pigeon, I mean, you don't want to, um, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say with my hands? You don't want to I'm doing like a David on, Bellamy. Yeah, you know? you're going to smack me in the face in a second. Um, <laughs> I, from my standpoint, it's I couldn't imagine, you know, learning and making wine in a better place. because And so yeah. I just try to, you know, we use that word diversity a lot. I, yeah. use, I use that a lot. When I, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty diverse here in Hawke's Bay. So, so, yeah, there's nothing you can't grow here or get here, which is what I love. So I would... Personally, and, I'd find it a shame if we. And I think you know, particularly from the the younger consumer up, you know, there's a lot of wine out there. First of all, mm. but um, they don't necessarily really care that much about mm. you know what's uh, what they can. They just want to hear that it's a good story, it's a good wine, it's a cool label, it's that there are good people right. behind exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Right, finish your wines because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you something from the um, no the the southern climes now. Um, mm. yes. Normally we would have a um a spittoon, oh, but I we're, our own, we're, we're our own spittoons. We're, we're, we're having to um, be our own spittoons. <clears throat> Aaron's face is lit up because he knows he's going to get some. <laughs> he's going to get some later. Wine. Aaron's yeah. going to get some wine yes. later. Not some. Mm. Just wine. Yeah. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wasn't thinking that, but you know. Okay. Okay. I was terrible. You know. My mind somewhere else this morning. Anyway, so we are going Pinot Noir from Central Otago, and this arrived. That happens sometimes. From Carrick, you all heard of Carrick Winery. Great producer. Bannockburn. And this is one that I personally haven't tasted before. It's called the Magnetic Pinot Noir Twenty Twenty. It's taken me a long time, and I'm still learning a lot about the different appellations mm. or regions in Otago. But I would say over the years I've learned that Bannockburn are really kind of approachable, and I really like – I do like them, and they're kind of no-brainers ones where some of the other ones are like lean harder into yeah. acidity or lean harder into bigger tannins or um, cooler climate and things like that, but – Bannockburn, from what I understand, is a little warmer and consistent. <laughs> it's warmer. It's not not as warm as, um, say, Bendigo, mm. which is super steep slopes. Mm. And yeah. but Bannockburn is is warmer and and approachable. Mm. Like I see anything with Bannockburn on the label, I'm like, oh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to be cuddled. Okay. You know, it's um, it's good. So this, <laughs> so this, the magnetic Pinot Noir is from. It's all able clone, so single clone, uh, single block. Um, planted in 08. Um, they're saying it's their most full-bodied and generous Pinot Noir. I haven't tasted it yet. Do you think it's full-bodied and generous? Just diverge, oh, a, diverge a little bit and you talk about the able clone. Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking and the same thing. Because I have a really you tell good us, story. You tell us your story of the able clone. No, not of the able clone, but of able. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when I came to New Zealand to work in 1979, I brought a shoebox full of agar slopes of a whole bunch of different yeasts and things from what I was working with in Australia. So when I came to the airport to do MAF at the time... And Which is Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries in New Zealand. And I declared this box of... Cultures. Yeast. Yeah. Say so it was yeast, yeah, for <laughs> sure. And the, the MAF, the MAF guy, said, 
if this is going to improve the quality of New Zealand wine, bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect I love it. I suspect it was Malcolm Abel who who um, I, I guess Snackled took the a, clone. Yeah, took the clone and, and had it propagated. I suspect it was him because we've we've talked about the story yeah, on previous gum, podcasts. Gumboot clone, the gumboot clone, and it's pretty prolific in Martinborough. And I get it on the nose here. You can peg them in a lineup if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I I worked with it a little bit. I tend to work a lot with Dijon clones, but it's a more savory note in there. And I think you get that on that, you know, where a lot of the mm. sort of fruit forward styles from Otago, this one's actually got like that, get a little bit of a savory. A little note. bit of a savory mm. thing. Mm. So, um, it's like which, is, which is unusual, mm. a little bit for, for Central. Central, yeah. 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 It's more um, of a Martinborough. Yeah. Pinot. Totally. And just to kind of recap on the um, on the Abel clone thing, if you hadn't um, listened to the previous um, podcast. So Malcolm Abel was a math officer, Ministry mm. of Agriculture and Fisheries at New Zealand Airport. And a wine producer. And a well. wine producer, you're right. And um, stopped a young man who'd come in from France um, who had um, who was wearing gum boots, right, or Wellington boots if you're from the UK, and had some <coughs> grapevine cuttings stashed down inside his gumboots that he says came from DRC or Domaine and Romani Conci. Right? Have we ever worked out who this person no. was? I haven't worked it out, but that could be a good. That's, that's like we could do our own version of like a true, true mystery wine mystery. <laughs> he's still podcast. in. He's still in prison. He's somewhere still in prison. In <laughs> so anyway, he got these these great wine cuttings, which are <laughs> supposedly from DRC, um, were confiscated by Malcolm Abel, customs officer, who was a wine producer himself. Obviously, not very happy with the quality of New Zealand wines at the time. Went, I'll take those, propagated them, and has well, they went, did go through quarantine, yeah. so it wasn't. Oh, Malcolm put them through, or got yeah. them to go through, and you didn't have to so pay in those days. For that like now, if you want to bring something in, mm. essentially you have to fund mm. it yourself. Back then, it was funded by government. How nice! Mm. Government should still do that. But no, but interesting that you think that it was possibly Malcolm Abel that yeah, saw your um, your your cultures, your little. I did know bits. Malcolm <laughs> later on, but I, I never really took that much notice of the person at the time. But I suspect it was Malcolm. Well, you he's now deceased, first? so. You know, he's not going to get into trouble, is he? No. I wish he'd no, no. taken a photograph of the passport of that young guy. Mm. He would have been a hero. <laughs> there be some uh, scholarship or something named after mm. him now. But I've, I've heard that there is some doubt as to the authenticity of that story Shh. as to where no, it came good. from. It's a good story. <laughs> we need Don't these. let the truth get <laughs> in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let the get in the way. We need these to help sell wine, you know. And we'll be right back. Howdy everyone, I'm Yvonne Lorcan, the co-founder and chief tasting officer for WineFriend, the best subscription service for wine in the land. And it's the best because my team and I hunt high and low to find amazing, interesting wines that we match to your individual taste buds. And then we deliver them to your door at a price and frequency that suits you. Now we know you want to try new wines, but we also know it's really hard to break free from those boring, safe, same olds from the supermarket. And it sucks when you spend good money on something new, but it doesn't taste great to you. Because everyone tastes wine differently, right? So we take the hassle and guesswork away, because if we know how your taste buds work, then you can trust us to go away and find great wines just for you. It's easy, just go to winefriend.co.nz, click on Get Started to answer a few fun questions about your taste preferences, choose one of our three awesome plans, your combo of reds and whites, and how often you'd like them delivered, and then sit back and wait for a whole new world of wine to open up. 
They're wines from all over the world. They're wines that I personally really love, and they're wines that you're not going to find in your average supermarket. Plus, each bottle comes with a neck tag written by moi with handy notes that'll impress your friends. Our plans are totally flexible, you're not locked into anything, and you can buy more of the wines that you love with a simple tap or a click. Just use the promo code Yvonne, that's Y-V-O-N-N-E, for 24% off your first subscription case. So become a wine friend and we'll all live happily ever after. Cheers. And on with the show. This is really opening up in the glass. Mm. Like I'm really, it's um, certainly changing, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, there's still <coughs> that, um, that savoury note coming through, but there's a little bit of kind of wild rhubarb cherry. I will say this to... Uh Pull back the curtain a bit mm-hmm. for first our, our listeners, particularly Aaron, probably who's looking through the window. I was like, look at these fucking crazy people just getting smashed at ten, eleven in the morning. Like, <laughs> now listen, we're it's professionals. It's tasting and it's classy. <laughs> okay, uh, this and particularly this time of year, I can say I have had some long nights, and then you have like a big morning, and then you just go. We're opening a bunch of stuff for lunch, and we're going to drink. You just you know, roll with it. And then you get back to work for eight, nine hours. So it's like, especially it's fuel. Wine, especially wine. I actually do worse with beer. Like if I have like more than one beer, I'm like, I struggle to get back into the flow of things. But if I have a big lunch with some wine and stuff like that, I'm right back into work. You know, start doing transfers, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Let's harvest some more grapes, you, you know. Could, you could make a um, – you could – Turn that into some kind of um, superpower. Superpower, <laughs> um, you know, health program. Mm. You know, put it on VHS, do infomercials for it. VHS, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Ty, it'd be the new Tybo. Yeah. So do you remember that? Yeah. Well, I always lose weight during harvest somehow, even though with uh, more Eat, consumption, you know, eating all those grapes full of sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this about this wine. So it's named. So the magnetic Pinot Noir is named after. A gold dredge, which once worked in the braided rivers of the Clutha and Kawaro rivers, right? So they've obviously named the gold dredge the magnetic because it pulls the gold, pulls that gold. Um, So very important to the history of the Bannockburn area. So this was completely wild fermented, 100% de-stemmed, matured in barrel for 10 months, 20% new and um, 65 bucks a bottle. That that sounds like Otago. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Pinot Noir. Yeah, it sounds like Pinot Noir. <laughs> um, I would say this. What I like about the wine is it is interesting with a lot of character and it's different, mm. but it is clean at the yep. same time. So it's like it's it's a clean wine and I like wines like that. You know, Good length really, of flavor too. There's I'm a lot still of, tasting you it. You can really make boring Pinot Noir and, and mm. Otago's guilty of it, you know, but this is not one of those. Um, you can sometimes taste a 65, dare I say, $80 Otago Pinot and go, mm. what did I just drink? <laughs> I'm not sure. This is not that. This has got character. It's got and character and personality. And for you guys listening out it's there. 30 bucks would be agree? pretty good, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which if it had Hawks Bay on the label, yeah. that's what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's I'd unfortunately th- a, true. We make some amazing Pinot and it's so cheap. It's, well, Syrah would probably be the the other one. Mm. You know, We should probably have more $65 Syrah. You know? Tell you what else, that Chardonnay, going back to the Elephant Hill Sea Chardonnay, what I forgot to say when we were tasting that was that it had marathon length of flavour. All right. I Do you know? A, we're gonna, a, we can go back to it. i got a question for you. Yes. For everybody listening, these are samples that got sent to you. Correct. Are they unsolicited? Solicited? Unsolicited. Unsolicited. So yeah. I can decide whether I. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes. You know, so, to. so in case you haven't figured this out, send Yvonne wine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and say, I want you guys to taste this. I want Dan to taste this on the podcast. See, I knew there yeah. was a reason for yeah. bringing that up. So the more, si- the more wine they send me, the more wine you get to taste. Yes. Send good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. If you're in Australia, send some, I don't know. All over the world. We, cl- um, some Grenache. You know, yeah. Dan likes hot climate Pinot, as I call it, you know. Hot climate Pinot? It's Grenache to me. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you, I like Syrah, you know, Chardonnays, bring them on, you know. This is something different, you know. Something different. Okay. You've, well, you've heard it here. I am willing to try at 10, 11 in the morning to try these wines. So. Sacrifice you're willing to make. I'm, I'm really, I'll struggle <laughs> through it, but I will. No, well, see, this is uh, this is good practice, you see, because John is joining me um, on a oh, yeah. Pinot Noir judging panel tomorrow morning mm. for Dish Magazine, whom I'm the In previous episodes, before. we've talked about judging and awards and yeah, all that have. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, how how are we fun. doing on time there, Aaron? 35. Okay, yeah. that's not too bad. So, I have a little, and I, this is, I'm pleased that I have two winemakers <laughs> with me when I ask this, because... John, we normally do a little segment called Pulling Back the Curtain or, you know, Powers That Be. Some sort of wine industry question that I have that I don't really understand or whatever. Um, but um, I saw something. Um, Sorry, it just burped. <laughs> Go. You're allowed. We're yeah, all about, yeah, you know, yeah. loosening our bodily yeah. functions um, on this podcast. So alternative <laughs> packaging for wine is something that's been on my brain. And it's getting a lot of um, a lot of traction in wine media, and you know, if, it seems like every other week there's some new, you know, plastic bottle or new shaped glass contraption or something in cardboard cans. Um, cans. So alternative packaging for wine, you know, plastics, paper, cans, flax fiber um, is a new one versus glass. So the novelty's there. Because um, you know they weigh less than glass, they use less trans- less fuel to transport. So thusly, there's less CO two emissions. So all these new packaging formats part of a new direction to reduce energy use in manufacturing, bottle weight and shipping, fuel use, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of these things are not um, like they're not refillable. They're mm. not. Um, they're expensive to produce. Do you think wines will age well in in cardboard, flex fiber, pack, paper packaging, cans? What about long term maturation? Those packaging. It's not really it's serious. Not, it's not designed for wines that are going to be no. aged. No, no. I mean, we understand all the problems, I guess, with glass. Mm. But don't you remember the milk bottles? It was quite good to put milk bottles out and then get them back again. It was great. Why it's can't? fully recyclable. Glass is fully recyclable. So colour's an issue. Mm. Mm. I mean, you want to have consistent colour. Uh, well, mm. I think from a marketing point of view, you want to have consistent colour. You mean the colour in the glass? Yeah. Yeah, the mm. glass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. You we're know, there's so many different colours that are available. So if you're Speaking recycling and stuff and putting it all together, mm. it's going to make a very beigey sort of colour, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking of other issues going on. Like not only have we had this cyclone and a rough summer and all that, but now for bottling, they're having issues keeping up with glass. They're having issues with CO2 has been an issue in the country now for months now. So it's like it's. Yeah, we're just getting beat up. <laughs> can we do? Can we do what some of the breweries are doing with CO two capture? 
We well, could. It's like some of the wineries in, yeah. like in, oh, I know some in Europe are definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Germany particularly. Nitrogen is easy, but CO2 is <coughs> a little more expensive and involved. Mm. But it's definitely it, possible. Is it Torres or someone, one of the big well-known winery, maybe it was mm. one of the German ones. Or, okay. or it might have been Torres, I don't remember, who were really capturing that CO2. Look, mm. I go back Three to years. my very early days in the wine industry. We had... All of our tanks were hooked, fermentation tanks were hooked up to a reticulation two-inch stainless steel uh, CO2 pipe, basically. So Mm. we captured all that and used it. Mm. And in fact, what Osh might not like it, we even filled our bloody crusher pit with CO2. You know, Mm. that winery was obsessed with keeping oxygen out of the equation. So we used Mm. all that CO2 all the time. So Mm. the other thing that, that... is in my mind is that you know if you are mm. using these different containers like you know plastic I mean well paper in the box is pretty enough box. isn't it but yeah. then can you but what do you do with the plastic liner inside because exactly. everything has to have a plastic liner inside to keep the wine intact that's not recyclable is it or is it well I, I would think uh, I can cans is something I've done I've done some Savion Blanc in cans and that's been cool the problem okay. that we uh, came to was sort of around a bit of a COVID issue in transport because the uh, canning it was up in Auckland and they have you need liquid nitrogen to um, can wine because it has to we don't have the pressure that beer has where it's mm. it's going to pressurize the can so we use liquid nitrogen to pressurize, pressurize. it so right when you open the can the nitrogen just blows off because you don't want your wine to be fizzy. It's okay if it has a little fizz for a white. A spritz. A spritz. Uh, But uh, if you open up the can, the nitrogen blows off, big deal, great. I mean, I just had some 2019 Sauvignon Blanc cans in America when I was there, and they're looking good. They're fine. Yeah, Yeah. they're fine. 2019. So it's all about um, pH with that, too. It can eat at the lining of the can and things like that. But that's a different... Yeah. I mean, that's it's an exception. Thing. We Some of that, again, had to do with supply chain and COVID as far as getting the wine to them and and new distributors and all this kind of stuff. So, But typically the idea was like mm-hmm. sell it during the summer, get it out. It's a fresh, young thing. And turn it over. Yeah, turn over but cans you can recycle. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the really, really difficult part, and again, this kind of goes back to what we were saying with where to grow wine, how to, you know, which, and we're learning all this in Hawke's Bay. Uh, only within the last 50 years, lucky to say 100 years, but, you know, it's probably it's probably more like 50, um, you know, with where to grow the wine. But with this this bottle, these bottles are, it's a good vessel. It's a perfect size. You know, one or two I or three know. people can sit down. I know. Maybe two or three. I shouldn't have said one, but <laughs> I've been known to. One well, um, person yeah, can quite happily uh, nurse. But, two, you know, two, it's a nice, you know, works for restaurants. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of different reasons why we've stuck mm. with the bottle, a 750-mil bottle for this long. There's know? a really interesting <laughs> article by um, a, uh, a wine writer, a Spanish-based wine journalist called Miguel Houdan. Have you heard of him? No. H-U-D-I-N. So he's got a blog, Houdan, so H-U-D-I-N.com. It's written this fantastic, like, pros and cons piece mm-hmm. on packaging on wine packaging and the future of it and what's realistic what's not so but yeah yeah i, mean, I think i think it's I a good thing for us a, to think a about more pertinent question is what is the future of wine yeah <laughs> oh yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read somewhere the other day and i may, may have got it wrong that in the last 10 years the consumption of new zealand wine in new zealand has dropped 28 percent 
Yeah, the youngsters aren't into it. Mm-mm. But they'll come around. Yeah, but when, they you all, know. When they turn 35, you but know, But it shouldn't 40. take 35. I mean, back in no. the day, Dad. Yeah, but they didn't have as many options. No, that's the thing. Back in the day, we had no options. I it was have either full confidence because I've seen this happen in real time where I would go sell a little <laughs> bit of my wine at these, like, breweries and beer haven places and they go oh we're kind of into craft wine too and then like five years later i come back to the same places and all the big brewery guy all the big beer guys with their beards and everything are like yeah i'm cutting back on the beer (laughs) i'm really into craft wine now you know and i'm really into these cool wine they knew so much about it and it was kind of cool because they had the um they sort of had the background in like they you know these beer geeks get yeah, so yeah, yeah. into the research and the hops and where All it's that. gone and the brewer who doesn't it's like they could quickly pivot into wine, into wine. but we, what we need to do is the thing with the with um young people like people in their 20s is we need to somehow uh, I don't know, because they're so the, the, the ready-to-drink market, the seltzer market, all that kind of stuff. They're, the preloading the, market. The, the mm. preloading. You know, they're, it, it's so easy to, to, to get that sweet stuff mm. for the youngsters. And so back in the day, it's like we had to just settle for whatever our parents had or whatever we were able to buy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know that anybody's and done it yet, it. but, uh, you know, probably one of – one of the big companies or medium-sized uh, big companies will, they're going to come up with some sort of wine entry mm. product like that, you know, and then... What and about the kegs? Yeah, the well, keg wine is kind of cool. I like that idea. We're doing keg wine now at the shop in town, and oh. uh, I'm going to be doing more and more of that and refillable. Will you be uh, having the growlers. red cups? But, but again, you know... No, <laughs> the red cups. Nice. <laughs> but it's not new. It's not new at all. We were, I mean, we if you were go doing to Europe, that in you know, 19, yeah. late 19, or mid to late 1970s. It, you go all over Europe and it's the same. You know, some yeah. of the best tasting experience I had were like some old guy with some kegs. And then mm-hmm. you could buy the bottle to take away, but he had most of the wines in keg. In keg. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're going to do more of that. And I think it's... It's a cool idea. Yeah, it's time to... But it's also like we're shipping kegs out to restaurants. And yeah. nobody cares. Like you go to these like pasta places and mm-hmm. pizza places, you know, mm-hmm. nobody's doing like... Soup. Oh, and you know, to be honest, like... Because I do this thing every every fortnight for the New Zealand Herald to go as an, as an add-on to to my little wine matches for Annabelle Langbein's recipes. Um the food reviewer, the restaurant reviewer of the Herald tells me what restaurant she's been to and I pour through the drinks list, right? Mm. And I write a little review of the drinks list. Mm, It's called mm. Sip the List. Mm. And I swear, I cannot even remember in the last, what, three years or whatever that I've been doing this, three or four years, that I've seen a glass of wine on a wine list for less than, I think... 13 bucks you know and if you're if you're a young person on minimum wage and you want to go out and have a good time are you going to be paying you know 15 16 17 24 dollars for a glass of wine well i think in the restaurants for as long as wine subsidizes the food costings yeah then it's not going to get any cheaper no but keg wine is actually keg wine they can actually do for 10 yeah 10 maybe 12 bucks a glass everybody wins the producer wins, have said the to me, wins. we want to pay for the bottle with the first glass we sell. Yeah. I mean, when you've got that mentality, it's yeah. a... Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough, tough on the producer, that's for mm. sure. Mm. 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 No, exactly. You know, the classic thing, you know, like Trinity Hill, we've released our first Gimlet Gravels wines in 1998. 
yeah. at $35 a bottle. Guess what price they are now? $35 a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 20 plus years mm, ago. Mm. That's true, they are. They're 35 bucks a bottle. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, on that fun note, yeah. um, <laughs> now that we're really angry. I'm going to get an angry. Uh, um, an angry sting? A sting. A well, a, this sting? is a pull back the curtain slash uh, finish on this note, but I will finish positive, I promise. I heard a uh, owner of a local winery on uh, national radio, mm-hmm. <coughs> Blackburn, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, <laughs> say something really I thought was, oh, it's just going to be one of those vintages when uh, the, the red wine's not going to be that good. And Don't worry, our vineyards are fine. And, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, sure, oh, sure. God. And uh, I just want to say, listen. Actually, 2022s, particularly the whites, but a lot of the sort of fresher reds, really good. We've got, we just tasted a 2020 mm-hmm. uh, fantastic white wine from, Oops, so we got, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of vint- great vintages in the bank. 18 was pretty damn good. 19, 20, 21 were all excellent. Mm-hmm. 22 was, you know, mm-hmm. again, focus on the whites, you know, but we had some good, pretty good reds that year. Uh, we're not down and out. No, not done We're going to have some fantastic stuff. We have some. Mm-hmm. I just bottled four wines yesterday. Really excited about them, and I know a lot of other people who are bottling some great stuff from recent vintages. So um, come to Hawks Bay and spend yeah. some money. And you know, know even if, and if you can't get to Hawks Bay, here's the thing that I want people to, to to think about: if you're out and about, if you're at a cafe, restaurant, whatever, and you see Hawks Bay wine by the glass, by the bottle, whatever. Just think about buying that one, mm. maybe, you know, instead of something else. Just support Hawke's Bay in general. And, um, oh, and Gisborne. Too. And Gisborne, Gisborne yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or so even Northland. Certainly any of these. And Northland. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. No, just Hawke's Bay. West, yeah. And West Auckland. No. no, but here we are. We're in, we're in Hawke's Bay particularly. It's the, the wines here have been really badly, well, not the wines, but there have been some producers really badly affected, and including... Yourself, John, which we're desperately um, sorry about. But, you know, hey, New Zealand and the world, you can help if you see the words Hawke's Bay on a wine, on a food product, on anything, buy it. Yeah, and and particularly over that imported stuff. You know, <laughs> you know, don't go for those Chilean cheap. Those whites, cheap uh, Chileans. I mean, they have a place, yeah, but right yeah. now we need Hawks. We need Hawks Bay. Yeah. Let's get uh, provincial. Let's get local. Let's, yeah. Uh, think globally. Drink locally. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm um, always. Yeah. That's what so. I'm thinking. Right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mr. John, Hancock, for coming for joining in. us. Good to, it's good, good to, to know you're you. in the neighborhood. We can call on <laughs> yeah, you yeah, anytime. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, say, yeah, and, and, and I'm not over. working at the moment. He's not working at the moment. So, you know, hey, you need a hand at home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bring All it right. on. Bye, right. guys. Oh, Posse Vibes. Posse Vibes. We need it. This podcast is hand-picked, whole-bunch-pressed, wild-fermented and produced unfined and unfiltered by Daniel Brennan and Aaron Cash at New Song Studio.